0: And welcome, I'm Uri.
1: And I'm Rifki, and you're listening to Talking Tachlis, the podcast where we talk about Jewish life and life in general. So Uri, have you been following the Kanye tweet storm?
0: Well, I mean, I've seen some of it, but there's just so much it's hard to keep up. Can yeah. You, why don't you fill me in?
1: Yeah, just very briefly. Um, Kanye's really been on a roll recently. He's been tweeting a bunch of times every day, sometimes totally innocuous things. Like he tweeted, I think either today or yesterday, that he thinks that naps are really underrated, which I think <laughs> is you know something we can all kind of get behind. I like naps. Um, but also some things that are a little bit more controversial. He argued that slavery was a choice and didn't really sort of differentiate between what it means to make a mental choice. but Whose um, choice? Um, meaning black people sort of had a choice about whether or not to be slaves. Actually, there was a mm. whole um, black Twitter, which is not a term that I made up, kind of uh, really went crazy with this one. And we're posting really, really, really funny like memes and gifs, kind of making fun of that idea. One of the main things, of course, that he's been doing, which is the main thing that I think people have really been seeing, is sort of declaring his love for President Trump, um, which right. is getting a lot of people pretty upset. Um, It's interesting, though, when he he's gotten a lot of pushback, obviously, for these statements and Kanye's sort of argument back at everyone else is that he's just a free thinker, you know, and why should he be boxed into assuming that Trump is evil just because he's a black man? You know, so fine. He's not conforming to these traditional beliefs, but, you know, that just makes him creative and it's just because he's a genius and things like that. Um, And
0: in a way, I would imagine a lot of the criticism just fuels his own flame or proves his point in a way that he's saying, why are you making assumptions? of how I'm supposed to think just exactly. because I'm part of this group.
1: Exactly, and that, that's gotten a lot of. Uh, it's gotten a lot of media attention. It's got a lot of personal attention. I've definitely seen a lot of pretty interesting articles. Um, and I think you know most importantly, Ari, it's clear that it's because we mentioned last week yeah, when we were starting this. It. It's that talking talkless bump. It's very real. I think we you know it's undeniable at this
0: point. We have to be careful how we use it.
1: <laughs> so actually, today, do you know the writer Tanahasi Coates? Sure. So he is a uh, columnist for the Atlantic. Uh, he writes a really intense, long-form pieces, you know, every six months. It's, it's groundbreaking, but it's very rare. He actually posted a pretty intense article this morning. The article is called, "I'm not Black. I'm Kanye," which is, of course, a reference to the famous OJ line, where he is kind of pushed and asked by the black community in Los Angeles to comment on certain things, and he says, "Look, I'm not black. I'm OJ." He's trying to sort of distance himself. And that connection really speaks to Tanasi Coates's argument, which is a similar argument that many people made about OJ, which is that Kanye West is trying to sort of distance himself from the black community, which is interesting because Kanye really came up with the black community in his early albums, especially. He talks about blackness in a really strong, visceral, intense way. And um, Coates sort of talks about feeling the sense of loss as someone who really felt connected to Kanye, with Kanye sort of increasing distance from the black community.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, Rifki, as somebody who I think you Probably know his music a little better than I do. Do you think that that's accurate? Do you think that Kanye is betraying his roots and his community?
1: So I think it's really hard to say. Obviously, I don't want to you know generalize about one specific person. It does make me sad seeing what's been happening with Kanye West, especially because I I do think he's brilliant and I think he's a a brilliant sort of social critic and I think his art is really is really incredible. And you know he obviously has gone through a lot of personal stuff on his own. Um, He lost his mother at a pretty young age. He's been estranged many of his close Closest friends no longer consider, you know, they kind of distance, like Jay-Z kind of distances himself from him. Um, You know, part of that comes from a lot of things, right? He's married to Kim Kardashian, who is obviously a a major celebrity and mogul in her own right, but it's not someone who people think of as, you know, the heart of you know, artistic expression in America.
0: Right. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting how our culture is like so obsessed with Kanye West and like they hang on his every word and statement, obviously because he's famous and successful. But specifically, as we mentioned last week, because he's famous for creating art and lyrics and music that really impacts and affects people, people kind of expect him to be more thoughtful or that what he says has more weight to it. Especially than the, when he came else.
1: from these albums and these lyrics that really did feel like they were speaking to sort of a core truth about the American experience, the black experience, race in America. And when he now goes in this direction that a lot of people on the left really and, and the black community think is really ludicrous and upsetting, it sort of makes, I, I feel like it, it makes people doubt and have their own insecurities as sort of like, was he always speaking crap
0: well but do you remember um after hurricane katrina um, george there bush was, doesn't there care that about big, black people. yeah there was that big benefit and he was on stage with mike myers mm-hmm. the destruction of the spirit of the people of southern louisiana and mississippi may end up being the most tragic loss of all george bush doesn't care about black people and they kind of like jumped to commercial and it was like a whole crazy scandal so like i mean that seems like he was really almost risking his reputation to make that statement for whatever motivation, he, right. whatever reason he felt that that was the case, that seems to be very different from where he's at now. Right, so
1: that's Coates' basic argument, is that the black community really fueled his rise, and he became, he was able to do things like that and get away with it because he had so much support and so much love from the black community. Well, yes, but
0: I'm saying the the thing that he said itself seemed to be, if not defending the black community, then right. standing up it for was, it. Exactly,
1: it was him sort of turning back to his own community and saying like, hey, I see you and I feel you and I'm one of you, and now sort he of
0: forgot where he came from now.
1: So, I mean, that, that's the selling <laughs> that's the out claim. argument.
0: And by and the way, Kanye, Kanye West must, must have some, some power, power because you probably, probably saw I doubled my African-American American poll numbers. We went, went from, from 11 to 22, to 22 in one, one week. Thank you, Kanye. Power. Thank you. That brings us to the topic that we want to talk about now, which is selling out. There was an article published in the New York Times last week titled, That's Bob Dylan's Whiskey in the Jar. I was amused and a little bit surprised to read about this article talking about how the 76-year-old Bob Dylan is starting a whiskey company. So originally he wanted to call it bootleg whiskey, uh, but then they ended up settling on Heaven's Door Spirits. So Dylan teamed up with a well-known whiskey maker and entrepreneur. And the article talks about how Dylan himself has influenced the creation of this whiskey. It's very funny at times how the, the people actually making the whiskey say how to get feedback from Dylan. Sometimes it's only like a look that he makes. Or one the, the main feedback that he gave them after tasting their first version was that all he said was, it should feel like being in a wood structure, and that's what he—that's the change that he wanted them to make. And then they spent like weeks and months trying to analyze that. What does that mean? How does a what kind of change can we make to the whiskey that it'll now feel like being in a wood structure? But anyway, this this whole story got me thinking about the concept of selling out because Bob Dylan, I'm, I'm assuming, is pretty rich and pretty successful uh, in his music career. But why is he now starting a whiskey? Like, does he? Is it that there, he's such an aficionado that there does not exist a whiskey on the market that suits his palate and he has to create this for like the sake of the world to have this new whiskey. Or is it just an opportunity to make some money? Most likely, the more the money part of it, I right. assume.
1: Well, Bob Dylan also. The article also mentions that he has a history of appearing in right. commercials right. and being involved in different uh, sort of commercial deals. He did that, a big
0: Super Bowl commercial for right. Chrysler a few years ago that like people got very upset about. Right.
1: He was in a Victoria's Secret commercial, right. um, and you know things like that. They. I think they always kind of land a tiny bit and then disappear pretty quickly. Um, You know, people are People forgive him. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So I think selling out... And he still, not only do they forgive him, they still also, you know, think of him as this persona of this guy who, you know, fights the trend. Yeah, exactly.
0: Counterculture. Right. Right, exactly. Well, that's obviously why with Bob Dylan, it's especially glaring when he aligns with a commercial product like this. So Wikipedia defines selling out thusly. Selling out is a common idiomatic pejorative expression for the compromising of a person's integrity, morality, authenticity, or principles in exchange for personal gain, such as money. In terms of music or art, selling out is associated with attempts to tailor material to a mainstream or commercial audience. For example, a musician who alters his material to encompass a wider audience, and in turn generates a greater revenue, may be labeled by fans who predate the change as a, quote, sellout. A sellout also refers to someone who gives up or disregards, hence the term sells, someone or something, for some other thing or person. So there are different ways that a person can sell out, and this term can refer to many different kinds of things. It can be in the realm of art and music, like with Bob Dylan, or it could be in politics. It could be in race and community, like we were talking about with Kanye. Right. So I guess we could just talk a little bit about the concept of selling out. How bad is it? What are the rules? When is it okay to sell out? When is it not okay? Right. Ari, right, I think my first instinct, I mean, we, we've had enough discussions for you to not be surprised
1: by this, but I think in general, I'm an idealist, right? I really believe in sort of integrity and always doing what you think is the best thing and always making the right choice right? and never making a choice that sort of can be considered tainted or anything except for what your straight ideals tell you to do. Now, with that sort of idea, probably the idea of making a commercial for money when you are really a countercultural artist doesn't really fit in so well. But I don't know, for some reason, I really hesitate to label someone or something as selling out. It just feels like a really strong term. First of all, because I think another part of my sort of idealism is that you never really know what's happening with an individual person, Mm -hmm. right? We don't know what's happening with Bob Dylan. First of all, he might be a huge whiskey person. He might be obsessed with Chrysler and Victoria's Secret, right? Probably uh, not. Or he might be in debt or he might have, you know, like, uh, especially it's a ridiculous thing, but the celebrities have serious debt problems because they manage their finances really poorly, right? Right. Uh, By the way, if any celebrities are listening, I'm very frugal, so feel free to hire me as your uh, financial advisor. Um, But I think that the idea of sort of always sticking to making choices based on integrity and that being the number one choice is still absolutely, I think, critical in sort of any sort of personal Decision making, but I think it's understandable to have to sort of include
0: finances as part of that decision. Right. So I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is selling out is okay, but only within certain limitations. Meaning, if you're selling out to make some money, that's okay. But what about what about you're talking about integrity? What if you sell out your integrity? Right.
1: So I think yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. And I think let me let me amend it. It's not that selling out. When you're getting a little bit of money is okay. It's more like if you're selling out because you need the money, you at least need to be conscious and you need to make sure that you are not compromising your ideals. Meaning, let's say, you know, 20 years ago, I'm an anti-apartheid activist, right? But I'm broke. And the government of South Africa is willing to fly me in for a concert and will pay me five million dollars. I don't think any person with integrity, no matter how broke, can say to themselves, "Okay, look, like I know I have a platform and I know I made a choice. I know this is these are my ideals, but like I really could use the money like I'm like uh, these other things came up and they can choose to accept that offer and they can go do that concert. I think it's more important that, look, you do a commercial, you do a commercial, but understand what your value are make sure that you're not forgetting about your you know artistic integrity make sure you're not stopping the songs or the movies or things like that in an effort to gain commercial success right
0: there have been i mean there have been a lot of examples of artists um, let's say, a musician performing for a private party of like a dictatorship right. or like an oppressive like regime. I mean, not to get into this topic now with Israel, but a lot of artists feel that just performing in Israel is a selling out of values and, and ideals. Obviously, we don't think so, but that's how they feel. Um, I mean, there was that Kendall Jenner ad for Pepsi. Uh, I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. That sort of like used oh Black Lives Matter for Pepsi, and it caused like a huge uproar, and Pepsi ended up pulling the ad.
1: I think also what's really interesting about that Kendall Jenner commercial is one of the things that people found so problematic, I think correctly, is that she was really exploiting Black Lives Matter for the sake of Pepsi, and for the sake of her own sort of, you know, getting that money. Um, and It's I like think the, the worst
0: kind of selling exactly,
1: out. Exactly, exactly. Um, like when it's something really serious, right? It's not just like, you know, a dumb thing. And or I turning think,
0: something serious into a exactly, dumb thing. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Um, and I think the, the, com- the first comparison that I think of, you know, there is it's a slightly different kind of selling out, but Rudy Giuliani had been mayor of New York, and then years later when he was running for president, he one of the things that he kept bringing up was 9-11. He would talk about sort of, you know, you know when I was mayor on 9-11 and I had to keep my city calm and I had to show them that I was a reassuring presence. And in every single um, ad, debate, you know, everything like that, he was constantly talking about 9-11. And eventually, uh, actually Joe Biden, I think, kind of made a crack about it. I'm trying to remember what the exact line was, but it was something like, you know, you say three things in every sentence, a noun, a verb, and 9-11. And, you know, basically after that, and, and the voters agreed. And he basically, you know, dropped that. And I think well, I that's... That's why part, he
0: didn't succeed. But right. yes, people felt he was exploiting nine yes. eleven.
1: And I think that's a big part of I think the the really crass part of selling out. It's not just making money; it's making money off the backs of something, right? So it's making money off the backs of a movement or of a specific principle, right? It's things that are supposed to matter, but instead you're valuing the, this this nothingness.
0: Right. I would definitely agree that there. It's much more egregious to sell out your values and integrity than to just do something neutral for the sake of money. There's a, there's a funny quote from Mike Dirnt of Green Day, where he said, if there's a formula to selling out, I think every band in the world would be doing it. Meaning a lot of times when people right. c- accuse a band of selling out or an artist, it's basically just they became successful and now you're jealous right. because there's you're there's not successful. So they sold out but is did they really do anything wrong they're just doing their thing and now people are appreciating it and giving them money for right. it right I
1: mean there's a difference between the I guess uh, if we can differentiate between different types of what people call selling out right so there's Bob Dylan where he went electric right which was many of his fans thought of as really selling out because uh, if he was mainstream. really going to exactly if he was really going to commit to the art then he would never use an electric guitar because right. that, that's superficial and that's commercial and there's Bob Dylan doing a Victoria's Secret <laughs> commercial where there's no claim to be made he's empowering women,
0: actually. That's beautiful. Yeah.
1: Victoria's <laughs> Secret, known for empowering women. Uh-huh. But Uri, I actually, I, I want to ask you, because one of the things that I'm thinking about when it comes to selling out is, is there a way to actually be sort of successful, whether that means commercially successful, whether it means politically successful, successful without selling out? Like, how do we sort of like separate those things?
0: Right. So, I mean, this may surprise some people. I might be more of the communist here uh, in this group. I'm actually not sure who's more of a communist, but like I think capitalism has something to do with it. I think the the potential and the amount of money you can make for doing a Pepsi commercial that you have, like, for example, um, Tom Jones, uh, who a song that most people probably recognize from um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah. did a commercial for Coke where he... Totally changed the words of his famous song to talk about Cobra. Let's play a couple seconds of it. Let's swing it one time with a new song from Tom Jones. You best. So I, I think that's ridiculous. Not that I know that much about Tom Jones or think that he's necessarily the most uh, artistic, highest integrity artist. But um, if the capitalist forces were not in place to give him those millions of dollars for doing that, there's obviously no reason why he would ever do that and take a famous song of his and promote. A, a soda brand,
1: right? Well, I mean, my first instinct is okay. Maybe it's not just about money. Maybe it's also about fame. But I think fame and money are so intricately linked, especially in in you know the capitalist society that we live in in America today, in which fame, in which they're so intertwined. Right? It's like you're famous for being wealthy, or once you're famous, you can just you just gain wealth
0: because like people right. want to have you at the parties, and like it's just it's a fascinating world. Right. Well, like but what I was just getting at is that. Because of the potential for making all that money, that I think pressures people or gives them the idea of doing this. Like you could even say with doctors, um, you know, students in medical school have to choose what specialty to go into. So, those specialties that are most needed, from what I understand, are like, you know, primary care and doctors who are going to take care of the people who can't afford health care or have v- bad health care. Right. But a lot of times, the, most, the best and the brightest will go into fields like plastic surgery or dermatology because they pay so much more. Right. And... So, it could definitely be argued that like they're not doing what are they doing wrong they're they're making a choice and they're they're still helping people and and whatever, but it's clearly the money has a lot to do with it, right, and that I think makes things complicated in a capitalist society. i'm not saying I wish we were in communist Russia. I think this is probably the best system that there is or definitely the best system, but these are things that I think is, are important for people to be thinking about and talking about. Well, Rifke, can you think of any kind of uh celebrity or famous person who would be the opposite of selling out, like somebody who had success but used it in a good way? Right.
1: So I think I think it's a good question. I mean, my, my initial instinct was like no one because my um, my sort of cynical side says that, you know, it's really hard to have money and have power and not let that kind of cloud your judgment and you know, that be the way that you make decisions in the future. The sort of example, though, that I've come back to a little bit, and I don't know, tell me if you you think I'm wrong, is Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is um, an artist. Um, He wrote In the Heights, and he wrote Hamilton. And I think what's so interesting about Lin Manuel Miranda is he obviously has become incredibly wealthy. It's like actually pretty interesting. I've like read a lot about um, sort of how he set up the financial structures of the plays. I think he he clearly had people advising him to benefit and, him. Yeah, he did very well. But he is actually someone who I think it's pretty incredible. He is still very much involved in his community. He is still very much involved in charity organizations, in the arts, especially in the arts, in urban communities and urban schools. He very much has an agenda that he sort of came up with, so to speak, and still very much sticks to that. It's hard for me to say, so, oh, okay, everyone be more like that. Then I uh, I try to think, though, of the ways in which sort of that can be replicable. And I think what one of the things about Lin-Manuel Miranda that I think makes him a little bit unusual, which I think is pretty, particularly valuable, is I think that he sort of surrounds himself, and he's talked about this a little bit, he surrounds himself with people that he knew since he was much younger, and who don't just say yes to him. Mm -hmm. They don't just sort of like follow him around, they're not sort of beholden to his power, right? There's a relationship in which he sort of has to fight and make sure that he's making decisions based on what he fundamentally wants and not what he sort of superficially wants, which the more power and wealth you gain, the harder it is to kind of remind yourself of that.
0: Right. I mean, so I guess artistically, it's up for debate whether or not he's a sellout, but as a person and as somebody who has all of a sudden gotten this money and power and what he does with it, I think you're making the case, and I don't disagree, that he is... Doing it in the best way that you, he could be doing it, given yeah. the circumstances. Yeah,
1: and I think I mean, we talked last week about uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's "Why You" video, and I think that's an example of something a major sellout. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it was a very harmless way to sort of like boost a uh, part of his community, even right. not even a part of he his... which he wasn't paid for. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's you know that's really impressive and that's really beautiful. He he retweets a lot of up and comers. He talks about a lot of different artists that he thinks people should check out, and I think that's really cool. And I think that that's hard to pull off
0: all right well maybe we could all be a little bit more like lynn We have one more thing before we go, and that's our segment called Did You Read It?
1: Did you read the New York Times? Yes. New York Observer? Yes. Washington Post? Yes. Wall Street Journal? Of course I read it. Did you read that steampunk article in Boing Boing? I did not like the end of it. One of both of our favorite podcasts, other than Talking Talkless, of course, is This American Life. Last week's episode was called Random Acts of History. Stories about people who accidentally bump into unsettling facts of history in settings meant to teach them history. What they end up learning is very different from what they're supposed to. The first story of this episode was about a group of high school kids about 20 years ago when Schindler's List originally came out in theaters who were brought to see the film by their high school teacher and basically had a very unsettling encounter at the movie theater. It sort of blew up into becoming a local news story and then a national news story at the time. And one of the incredible things is they interview many of the people who were involved in the story in the first place. They interview the high school students, they interview the teachers, they interview uh, other Patrons of the theater, and they really give this full and complex story about that encounter and about the entire situation that arose from it.
0: And you hear the students now, twenty years later, they're now adults reflecting on the way they behaved and what they experienced as exactly.
1: And one of the things that I found so incredible about it, obviously, I'm particularly interested in the relationship between blacks and Jews, but also. it felt like it was really giving a voice to people. And it's so easy for us to sort of look at numbers or look at communities. And this was really giving us a way of looking at, I was a 16-year-old girl, and this is how I felt. I was a teacher, and this is how I felt. I was a you know local council person, this is how I felt. And it sort of reminds us that all of the people who are involved in the news stories that we read are also really fundamentally people. And that's one of, the, I think, the most amazing things that, these, the, that podcasts and stories in general can really give to us.
0: Yeah, very well said, Rivki. I, I agree with everything you said and yeah the story is the story that they tell gets at so many of the elements and aspects of this topic of the the relationship between the black community and the jewish community and uh we didn't really get into the details of what happens but you'll have to listen to that other podcast after you listen to ours (laughs) to to find out
1: and i remember i heard somebody says oh my god he's not gonna shoot her this is tanzania that one of the kids said that out loud and uh, I was thinking the same thing in my head. I said, he's not going to shoot this woman. She's just trying to try to let them know that they're doing something incorrectly. I'm only
0: trying to do my job. Yeah,
1: sure, I'm doing mine.
0: Sir, she's former of construction.
1: I'm not going to have arguments with these people.
0: And the guy simply pulled out his gun and shot her. That's when I
1: remember a lot of students were like, oh, you know, oh, my God. Oh, he shot her. Whoa. Tracy Wilson. Back then, what did we say? Dang! You know, or, man, that was crazy, or... oh, what One of the Casamod kids, we don't know who, actually said, five words that would come to define this incident. Oh, man, that was cold. But he probably said it as, oh,
0: man, that was cold.
1: If you haven't yet, please subscribe to our show and please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps other people find us as well. And Uri, who do we have to thank this week?
0: Well, as always, we have to thank Drive-In Productions for sponsoring our show and for letting us record in their beautiful, gorgeous studio. We have to thank Triple Threat Trio featuring Rage Brigade. They are our official band and they give us our theme song. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.